0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to Chronicles of Nania. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1, and I am joined, as always, by the man who this show is named for. He is the resident stat nerd at TOJ, but also at Gang Green Nation and Elite Sports New York, Mr. Michael Nania, Michael, before we get into anything, you took a nice little trip the last couple of days. Why don't you tell me about it?
3: Yeah, headed up back into the Tri-State area for WrestleMania this past Sunday, and it was pretty awesome, you know, did not get home until like 2.30 in the morning, which is usually the time I stay up pulling my hair out after a Jets game, so I'm pretty used to that, but it was pretty fun to be back at MetLife. The first time I was uh, at MetLife Stadium since the Jets and Texans game on Monday Night Football in 2012 so cool to be back there and i thought it was pretty funny because there's actually you know the the new uniforms have been the hype of the jets over the past week or so and there's a like a guy sitting next to us or uh, in a section over from us who had a new darnold jersey the green one and like he's walking up and down the rows giving high fives to all the people like doing jets chants and stuff so that was pretty hilarious and is, the jets actually like on all the screens in the stadium the big screens inside and the screens outside the stadium near uh where you go in, they were doing, a, there was a lot of branding for the new uniforms and stuff with the, you know, just the pictures of the players and stuff, so, you know, it was, it was fun to be back in MetLife Stadium, uh, WrestleMania was, you know, insane, it was kind of tough to get out of there for a lot of people, but it was, we did pretty fine getting out, but you know, it did go really late, but you know, still it was fun to be back, you know, in New York, in New Jersey, uh, to be around the city, back up there again, uh, go to MetLife Stadium and enjoy WrestleMania, so it was pretty awesome to be back up there.
2: I stopped watching after Becky Lynch won at twelve thirty a.m. I assumed the show was still going on because that thing is a nine-hour show. You sat through the whole thing. Good lord, man! Good for you.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, we did get some. Uh, we kind of got used to it last year when we were in New Orleans, and uh, you know that was a nice little practice run. So we were able to just experience it once, and it was really it, it was longer this year than it was last year. But you know, we were a little bit prepared having gone last year. But it, it's just crazy how long those can go. But you know, it is only it only does come once a year, so you kind of get used to it, and, and it was tough this year, too, because it was outside, and it was kind of chilly in there, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad, and luckily it didn't rain, so that was really good, because that was on and off the forecast, sometimes it said it was 60%, sometimes zero, but ultimately it didn't rain, but it was a little windy, and it kind of got chilly towards the end, once the sun went down, but you know, it was fine, and we toughed it out, and you know, it, it's always a really great environment at WrestleMania, so it was cool to be there, and The MetLife fans were great, and there there were a lot of Jets fans there, too. I saw in the parking lot, there were, like, Jets trucks, like jet, full Jets tailgate set up out there, so that was pretty cool to see, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, and we were able to tough it out. We're tough. We're, we can do it, so yeah, it was fun.
2: And we had two interesting Jets related moments during the show where Kurt Hawkins, who's from Long Island and is also a huge Jets fan, came out for his match with his tag team partner, Zack Ryder, wearing Jets gear, and then of course, Gary V, who's notoriously a Jets fan, was out there wearing one of his new jerseys, and was caught on camera screaming at Batista, so Jets getting some representation at WrestleMania.
3: Oh yeah, there. And it's funny because like even if you weren't like obviously I'm looking for that stuff as a Jets fan, but like you just walk in there like there's branding everywhere, and I saw a lot of people with Jets stuff. So like there was a Jets vibe there. It's pretty funny.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: There will certainly be a Jets vibe there. When the games begin, and I sure hope there will be, otherwise it's not really a good sign for the team, and one of the guys that they will be rooting for is Robbie Anderson, who will be back this season. We don't know exactly what the story is, because we don't know if anybody's going to make him an offer yet. I would assume he's just going to come back on that one-year tender, but either way, he'll be here, barring some sort of obscene offer from some other team. Looking forward to watching him, especially after looking at some of the numbers you dug up. Talk to me a little bit about what he did the last four games of the season once Darnold came back from injury
3: yeah what the connection he had with Darnold after he returned from his injury was it was really impressive so over the past over the last four weeks of the season so from weeks 14 to 17 in 2018 Robbie had 23 catches 336 yards three touchdowns and Sam Darnold had 112.8 passer rating when targeting Robbie Anderson so those four numbers from Anderson there were only two other receivers in the league To match all four of those over that span to finish the season and those were those two guys were DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones so good company for Robbie Anderson there the way he finished the season he was an elite player over those past uh his production was at an elite level over those over those past few weeks to finish the season so it's really good to see that camaraderie between those two guys and it was just the way he Anderson was playing and this is the question we always have when we discuss Robbie Anderson is can he do more than just go get the deep ball the nine route down the sideline and When he's been on his tears, you know, late in 2017, that game against the Chiefs last year, he had a lot of good games at the end of 2017 with Josh McCown. And then at the end of 2018, the Texans game, the Packers game, the Bills game. Anderson was making plays that were, you know, in the intermediate range, those short curls, those slants. He was making those plays underneath and really bringing that all-around game. So it was good to see that camaraderie from Robbie Anderson with Sam Darnold to finish the season. And you look at his production over those final four weeks, even with the New England game, because he didn't produce that much, in that Patriots game, I think he had some somewhere around thirty yards, two or three catches. He didn't. He really didn't produce that much in that game. No one really did for the Jets on offense. But even with that game, over the final four weeks of the season, that's a quarter of the season there. He was an elite player, and uh, only a few other elite receivers like Hopkins and Jones were in his company with what he was doing.
2: What a lot of people have pointed out, and you did as well here in the statistic that you pulled up, is that Robbie Anderson has had to deal with a lot of different quarterbacks. He hasn't had stability. So if you go back to when he first got started in 2016, the Jets had Bryce Petty and Ryan Fitzpatrick as quarterbacks. In 2017, it was McCown and then Bryce Petty. And then even in 2018, Darnold played most of the season, but we saw Josh McCown again. You did a really good side-by-side comparison here involving the numbers that Robbie Anderson put up when the team's starting quarterback was in versus when the backup quarterback was in. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, so especially over the last two seasons, Robbie, and obviously you expect this with you know pretty much any player on offense, but Robbie in particular has had a huge drop off in production when the starting quarterback has been out. And it's interesting for the Jets because their starting quarterbacks over the past two seasons haven't been that great. Obviously, you had rookie Sam Darnold this year, who had his bumps, his up and downs, and and you had Josh McCown in 2017, who was okay, had one of the better seasons of his career, maybe the best season, but you know still wasn't an above average quarterback overall. But even so, when those guys went out over the past two seasons uh, when he lost, uh, when Josh McCown went out in 2017 and when Sam Darnold went out in 2018. When Robbie Anderson has been without a starting quarterback over the past two seasons, he's seen a huge different production. So Robbie's played 30 games over the past two seasons, and you look at his production in the 24 games in which his starting quarterback started and finished the game. So we're talking about games with Josh McCown in 2017 and Darnold in 2018. So in those 24 games, Robbie has 93 catches, 1,503 yards, 13 touchdowns, and he's averaged almost nine yards per target, which is a pretty much elite number. So over a 16-game span, those numbers would put him on pace for 63 catches, 1,002 yards, and nine touchdowns. So if you put up those numbers on a yearly basis, catching over 60 passes for over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns, then that guy is going to be a really respected top 10 to 15 caliber receiver over a long period of time, a guy who's going to be in the elite conversation. So... When Robbie has had a starting quarterbacks out there, he's put up some really strong numbers, been a 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown caliber kind of receiver. So it's really promising to see that from him uh, when the starting quarterbacks have been healthy. But it's been a completely different story when those guys haven't been healthy. So in the six games that Robbie has played over the past two seasons with Bryce Petty in 2017, and then with Josh McCown and his, while he's the backup in 2018, he's really struggled and basically hasn't produced anything. So in those six games... Robbie's posted 20 catches for 190 yards, uh, no touchdowns in any of those games, and he's averaged only 4.8 yards per target, which is just absolutely terrible, so it's definitely not, and this is, you know, it can be said as a knock both on, you know, how bad Bryce Petty was last year and how bad McCown was this year. It can be a knock on them, but also on Robbie because, you know, an elite receiver you do, even though you would expect their production to dip when the starting quarterback goes out, you still would like to see... You know, because like the numbers I just showed you, those numbers aren't starter quality in the NFL going six games with no touchdowns, only 32 yards a game, 4.8 yards per target. That is, that's just really pedestrian. So it's kind of a knock on him to not be able to get that production going without the help of the quarterback. But at the same time, it is really promising to see that, you know, when the starter has been healthy, the guy who, you know, the receivers have tried their, you know, spent the most time building chemistry with when those guys have been healthy. Anderson has produced at an elite level. So even though you would probably like to have seen him produce more with the backups in the game, because, you know, that's what elite players do. They lift up whoever is around them, even though you would like to have seen that from him. We know that Robbie isn't, you know, quite that caliber, even though he can, you know, continue uh, continue to ascend, maybe match these numbers that he's been on pace for with the starters in the game, become that 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown kind of guy. Even though we do think he can be that, we know he's not exactly a Hopkins or a Julio who's going to put up these big numbers, no matter what's happening at quarterback or how good the team is. We know he's not that. And so even though the backup numbers are kind of uninspiring, it's still really promising to see the kind of company that he has and the production that he's put up when the starters have been healthy. So hopefully Sam Darnold isn't a a guy that is going to be missing a ton of time like an Andrew Locke or some other player. So hopefully Darnold will be a 16 game a year guy and uh, Robbie Anderson doesn't have to worry about producing for backup quarterbacks, but it is really promising to see how well he's done.
0: GW, void were prohibited by law, See terms and Conditions eighteen plus.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Michael, what this indicates to me is that Jets fans should be very optimistic about Robbie Anderson in 2019 because he really seemed to build a strong rapport with Darnold down the stretch of the season, as your numbers indicate. And then when you figure that Darnold is going to be the starting quarterback throughout the season, barring injury, knock on wood, they should be able to pretty much pick up where they left off, especially now that they have a lot of extra help with Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder.
3: Yeah, definitely. So it it's definitely great to see the way that they finished the season. It it definitely you saw progress. That that's what was really great when Darnold came back from that injury. He just seemed like a different player. He was much more in control. He's a, he's spreading the ball around, and the situation around him over those past few games was as bad as it was all year. The offensive line, which was already bad, had more injuries. Running back, which was already bad, had more injuries. Receiver, which already wasn't great, had more injuries. Andre Roberts was playing significant snaps at the end of the year. So it's really good to see Darnold come back and be just a different player. He looked different over this final four games, even in that New England game, like we talked about uh, last week on the podcast. So Darnold seemed like a different player. Robbie Anderson really had a great connection with him towards the end of the season. And Chris Herndon, too, really started developing a, a legit connection with Darnold after the first few weeks of the season. So I definitely think it's the kind of, you know... The progress that we saw at the end of the season is transferable to the beginning of this season. It can really, you know, carry over from week 17 of one year to week 1 of this coming year. I really think it was the kind of progression that is going to carry over because like we said, it just seemed different. It wasn't like they were just producing better. It really seemed like the camaraderie was improving. So it seems like that there's a connection there that hopefully can last a long time between Darnold and these guys. We'll see how long Robbie Anderson lasts with this team. Obviously, it's still not 100% sure he'll be back this year. 99% sure he was at the uniform reveal, which we're going to talk about more later, I hope. But yeah, it does seem like Anderson should be here this year, but we'll see uh, how his long-term future plays out. But it does seem like that the connection these guys built towards the end of the season is going to be able to carry over into the beginning of 2019. And it's just look, you look at the production that Anderson has had when his starting quarterbacks have been healthy, like we were talking about. So like I said, when he's had his starting quarterback in the game over the past couple seasons, He's been on pace for sixty he's been on pace to be a sixty catch, a one thousand yard, nine touchdown guy. And just to put into perspective how good Anderson has been when his starting quarterbacks have been in the game, the only players in twenty eighteen to post over sixty catches, over thousand yards, over nine touchdowns or and eight and a half plus yards per target were Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Thielen, and Travis Kelsey. So those numbers right there that I just played or just laid out have been the production that Anderson has been on pace for when his starting quarterbacks have been healthy. So it really seems like if Anderson can get a full 16 games of Darnold this season, bounce off the progression they made at the end of 2018, that he can really be a legit top 10, 15 kind of receiver. I know uh, people like to knock him a lot for his game, not being that versatile, and a bunch of other issues that are really just petty and kind of sometimes kind of nonsensical. But ju- you just look at the production that he's had, and Obviously, he you want to see him be more consistent and just continue to have that all-around game, just not for a couple games, but throughout the whole season. But it really seems like Robbie Anderson has a chance this next season, especially with all the help that the Jets have added around him, to really have a breakout kind of season, just make a lot of big plays, just really stack up those 50 and 40-yard touchdowns to really build a great season with all the attention that uh, opposing defenses are going to be paying to all the other weapons the Jets have added, like Bell, a developing Herndon, Jameson Crowder, hopefully Noon healthy. So it really does seem like, and you just look at his production, you know, when he's been in an ideal situation over the past two years with his starting quarterback, it seems like Anderson does have the potential to be a very good, uh, very productive receiver in this league, a legit 1,000-yard, 10-touchdowns kind of guy. So it'll be interesting to see the connection between Anderson and Darnold this season because they built some really good camaraderie towards the end of 2018
1: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This is
0: the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: And Robbie's not the only one, Michael, because the Jets added, as we said, Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder to a group that already included the aforementioned Mr. Robbie Anderson, plus Quincy Anunwa and Christopher Herndon. Now, obviously, injuries can happen. We've seen that, especially with Quincy Anunwa. But if all five guys are healthy, Sam Darnold should have some pretty solid targets to throw to. The distribution here is going to be interesting, and you talked a little bit about that this week.
3: Yeah, it was it was something I brought up and I was want like thinking a little bit about that, you know, the Jets have these they now got five guys who are, you know, legit solid starters in the league. You have Le'Veon Bell who's probably the best pass catching running back in the league if he is if he's able to be who he was in Pittsburgh, probably is your best receiving back in the league. If not, he's at least top five. You have Chris Herndon who over the past who over the last three quarters of twenty eighteen was a top ten kind of tight end and should continue to improve as, you know, he's only rookie last year and His rookie numbers were in the class of some of the best tight ends that we've seen this past few decades. So you have those two guys who are, you know, top 10 kind of players at at their positions. And you have three solid receivers. You have Jameson Crowder, who's probably a top 10, at least an above average slot receiver, maybe top 15. You have Robbie Anderson, who's one of the top D threats in the league. You have Quincy Nunez, who's one of the top yak yeah, guys in the league. So you have all these solid uh, pass catching options. Obviously, the Jets don't have that elite number one receiver, that Mike Evans, Julio Jones, or whatever. They don't have that guy, but you have five solid options. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Jets distribute the targets on this offense because you have so many guys who can be you know, legitimate targets that you can rely on. Just a, a huge difference from what the Jets have had in years past. So like, the point I was bringing up was that I think that, you know, you could see all five of these guys, you know, of course, if they stay healthy, you could see all five of these guys break the 700 yards mark, maybe around there. But it could be hard for one of these guys to hit the 1000 yard mark because you've got so many people to spread the ball around to. And I, I think the guy who's the best candidate for that is probably Robbie Anderson. Uh, You don't expect Le'Veon Bell to get 1,000 yards. He'll catch a lot of passes, but 1,000 yards is a stretch for a running back. I I wonder if that's ever been done. I don't think a running back has ever done that. But you don't expect Bell to do that. Uh, Chris Herndon, I think, is going to – I think he should score a good amount of touchdowns. He only had four last year, but I think long-term he's going to – he does have the ability to be a six to seven touchdown, maybe even eight plus touchdown guy a year. So I think he'll get his catches, but I don't think he's an a thousand yard guy. And then, and then you look at the receivers, Quincy and isn't probably an a thousand yard guy. He hasn't really come close to that yet. Uh, He did have, I believe about 850 yards in 2016, but that was when the Jets didn't really have a lot of help. So you look at all these guys and you got a lot of talent, unique skill sets, but I think this is a good thing. I, that, the Jets aren't going to have an obvious 1,000-yard receiver because it's really a testament to just how much talent that they've added. at Across all three positions, you'll get your receiver group. You have three legitimate guys in Anderson and Unma Crowder. You got Bell, who's an elite receiving back. You got Herndon, who's a developing young tight end. So it, I think it's a really good thing that we can't look at this offense and say, this guy's going to lead them in touchdowns. This guy's going to lead them in catches. This guy's going to lead them in yards. We don't really know that because again, and obviously we don't know what Adam Gates is going to run this year, how this offense is going to look versus years past with the jets, but they just have so much pass catching talent that it's hard to predict who the number one is going to be, who's going to score the most touchdowns because there's just so much talent and all these, uh, they all have very unique abilities that complement each other really well. So Hopefully they do stay healthy because they all do have questions to answer. Robbie Anderson off the field, Quincy Noonwa, Jameson Crowder, both with, you know, minor injury questions that they had last year. Le'Veon Bell with the year off. Chris Herndon might have a suspension, and he does need to carry over what he did over the end of last season into this year and hopefully bust out and become one of the top five tight ends in the league consistently, not just over the second half of the season. So all these guys do have question marks. Most players in the league do. But the fact that you have – These five guys who are all very solid pass catching options or better in the case of Bell. It's really good that you can't just sit here and say who the number one guy is. It it really seems like the Jets are going to be really unpredictable with the way that they distribute the targets this year.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
2: Michael, it's been done twice in NFL history Where a running back got 1,000 yards receiving It was Marshall Falk and Roger Craig So while it's not impossible It's not something that's done a lot We're talking about a long history here with the NFL And it's only been done twice But I do agree with you I think what the Jets have now is a rich man's problem Figuring out how to get the ball to all these different targets And I think what we will see this year Is that not necessarily having a number one receiver is not that big of a deal as long as you have a bunch of guys that are good and productive. You can get by without a quote-unquote number one guy as long as you have a whole bunch of guys that can make plays through the air, and I think the Jets have that this season.
3: Yeah, and it's definitely a need that's brought up a lot, I think, within the fan base for a number one receiver, and I think you're right because if you have an Odell Beckham, if you have, like I've said, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, those guys are difference makers. If you added you know, one of them into this Jets offense, maybe swap out any of those three receivers for one of those superstars I just mentioned. That's a huge difference maker. Those guys change the way that defenses approach opposing offenses. So it's great to have them, but if you, and the Jets should continue to try to get one. They should look at the position in the draft. If a receiver is the best player on their board, go ahead and take him, stash him down there, and go ahead and see if he could rise up the ranks one day or. If there's a trade opportunity that makes sense, you know, like the Odell Beckham deal, if something like that pops up or you can get a star receiver for a price that makes sense, then go ahead and do it. It's a position that they still can upgrade. And like we said, we don't know what Robbie Anderson's future is, so there could be a hole there next year. So it is a position the Jets still can get better at, but you don't necessarily need that number one guy to be successful, especially when you have as much depth and talent as the Jets do have now with their pass-catching options. So, it really seems like the Jets are going to be the rare kind of offense this year that can thrive without a legit number one receiver. I think the Rams are a good comparison for the way this Jets offense is laid out. You look at, this is one of the best offenses in the league over the past couple years, got to the Super Bowl this year. You look at their receiver group, and they have three really good guys at that position, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, but I don't think any of those three guys are the kind of players. You know, with the players I mentioned earlier, would you put those three guys in a class with Odell, with Julio, with Hopkins, with Keenan Allen? Would I don't think you would put those guys in the class of those legit number one uh, every year Pro Bowlers like I just mentioned. But they're all really good players who have their own specific skill sets, their their own abilities that they all really thrive at. And you put them in an offense like the Rams had, that the Rams have had. You have Jared Goff who's developed really well, Sean McVay's. Called the, called the offense there really well. They have a good offensive line, and they have the star running back in Todd Gurley, who makes an impact in the passing game, which is comparable to what the Jets have with Le'Veon Bell now. So I think that's a really good comparison for what we could see with the Jets offense in terms of how the targets and production is laid out because, you know, that's an offense that doesn't necessarily have that number one guy. Robert Woods wasn't necessarily a superstar in Buffalo, but he's gone over to the Rams and been one of the most productive receivers in the league since he's gone there and Cooper cup too has come right in out of, you know, out of come right in, out of college and made a a very good impact for them. Brandon cook says, you know, he's been a consistent 1000 yard guy, but he has always played with great quarterbacks, Brady breeze and now Goff. And he is, he's really similar to Robbie Anderson. Just a great deep threat. Even if he isn't an all around superstar, he's a really great deep threat. And he's going to produce a lot, just by being great at that. So, I think the Rams are a great comparison for the way this offense is laid out. They have three very good receivers who have legitimately good skills that they they're their individual skills that they really thrive at and all those three guys complement each other well. They have the elite receiving back. So, with the Jets, I think it's, you know, definitely long-term. Hopefully you do find that Odell or whatever because it, it's really helpful to have that guy and the Jets should continue to strive to find find that guy. You don't want to just, you know, stamp pad a receiver because you have the three guys that they do have even though they are solid players the Jets should uh, you know continue to try and find that guy but in the short term this offense still can be really good with these guys because like we said they all have their their individual skills that they thrive at crowder with his ability to go deep out of the thought and still make some plays underneath in the yak game a new laws yak game is great and just just the athleticism size that he brings to the table is really unique robbie anderson down the field so Hopefully, long term the Jets do find that guy. It, it's just a tremendous asset to have for any quarterback for any offense. But for now, I think the Jets still do have a chance to be one of the better offenses in, in the league. And who knows how high they can go, depending on how you know how well Darnold develops. But in the short term, I think the Jets, even though they don't have that number one guy, still have a chance to be a very good offense with the three guys that they do have at receiver, and especially because what they do have at running back and tight end with Bell and Herndon.
2: The obvious answer here, too, is the Patriots, although they did Ever Andy Moss for a brief period. For the most part, they've gotten by with just a collection of good receivers. I understand that we're talking about Belichick and Tom Brady here, but still, it does prove between the Rams comparison that you just made, the Patriots, and there are some others, that you can certainly be a very successful team, even if you don't have that quote-unquote number one wide receiver. But regardless of who the wide receiver is, he's going to be wearing new uniforms this year, and Michael, unfortunately unfortunately you didn't get to join paulie and i on the uniform reveal show but as i mentioned last week i figured you would have some sort of nerdy uniform stat after their uniforms were revealed and thankfully i was right you do have one so why don't you go ahead and share it
3: so this is a groundbreaking stat that is just you know it's incredible i don't think anyone has ever found this and it's extremely important and I think this this should change the way you bet on the Jets. If you're looking to bet on the Jets, you need to look at this stat, listen to this stat, and I think it will just completely change your outlook on this team. So since 2017, and before we get into this, the Jets have green helmets now, so those helmets no longer white. We got these shiny, very hot new green helmets on the heads of the Jets this year. So since 2017, 100% of teams to wear green helmets and start a second-year quarterback in Week 1 like the Jets are probably going to do Sam Darnold, knock on wood. 100% of those teams to wear green helmets and start a second-year quarterback in Week 1 went on to win a Super Bowl. Every single one of them. There you go.
2: I don't want to be a party pooper here, Michael, but what exactly is the sample size on this?
3: Um, It's a pretty decent sample size. I mean, you had the Eagles in 2017, and yeah, that's it.
2: Hey, good enough for me. Jets are going to the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. Go place your wagers. I don't know what the odds are right now on the Jets winning the Super Bowl in 2019, but... I say that Michael just gave you a pretty safe bet to make. Go out there, lay a few bucks down on the Jets, and you are going to get a major return on your investment because that statistic about the Green Helmets is all you need to know. We could talk all day about the receiving core, about Darnold, about the new coaching staff, about any other additions to this team. But what it all comes down to, Michael, and I think we can agree on this, is the change to the Green Helmets.
3: That's it. I just gave you a number right there. You can't argue with 100%. So. Numbers don't lie. Put your money on the Jets now.
2: Numbers don't lie, and neither does Michael Nania, who joins me here every single week to break down the numbers like only he can. Michael, thanks so much for joining me on Chronicles of Nania. Appreciate it as always. For those that don't know where to find you and your great work, which is pretty much everywhere on the web that has anything to do with New York sports, including our beloved Jets, the Knicks, the Yankees. I think he even does some stuff about the New York Liberty. It's all there in his work all over the web and multiple different websites. For those that don't know where to read your work or how to follow you on social media, go ahead and let them know.
3: Man, I don't think I'm the guy to count on if you want New York Liberty News, but (laughs) if you want Jets, stats, and all this nonsense, then you can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. That's N-A-N-I-A. And most of my writing will be at gangreenation.com and York.com. And I'd also do some Knicks at Nick Film School, so you can find me there as well. But no New York Liberty for now. Maybe sometime down the line, but Actually, probably not. Just don't count on me for that.
2: Michael, I'm kind of disappointed because I was looking at you as my go-to source for New York Liberty coverage, and now I have to look elsewhere. Perhaps my friend Alan Schechter at EmpireWritesBack.com, where they cover all things New York sports. Michael, I thought you had every single team in the area on lockdown, but even you have your limits, it appears. But go ahead and follow Michael on social media and read his work over at TOJ, Gangrene Nation, and Elite Sports New York. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go.
1: At Luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus turns and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.